Chapter 15 of The Star Chamber, An Historical Romance, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Star Chamber, Volume 1, by William Harrison Ainsworth. Chapter 15. Hugh Calvary. Jocelyn at once comprehended that the person who had thus dashed the nosegay to the ground could be no other than Hugh Calvary. But all doubt on the point was removed by Aveline herself, who exclaimed in a reproachful tone, "'Oh, father, what have you done?' "'What have I done?' the Puritan rejoined, speaking in a loud voice, as if desirous that his words should reach the assemblage outside. "'I have done that which thou thyself shouldst have done, Aveline. I have signified my abhorrence of this vain ceremonial. But wherefore do I find you here? This is no fitting sight for any discreet maiden to witness.' and little did I think that daughter of mine would encourage such profane displays by her presence. Little did I think that you, Aveline, would look on and smile while these ignorant and benighted folk set up their idol, piping, dancing, and singing around it as the Gentiles did at the dedications of their deities. For it is an idol they have set up, and they have become, like the heathens, worshippers of stocks and stones." Are we not expressly forbidden by the Holy Scriptures to make unto ourselves idols and graven images? The sins of idolatry and superstition will assuredly provoke the divine displeasure, and kindle the fire of its wrath, as they did in the days of Moses, after the worshipping of the golden calf by the Israelites. Thus spake offended heaven, Let me alone that my wrath may wax hot against them, and that I may consume them. Grievously will the Lord punish such as are guilty of these sins. For hath he not declared, as we read in Leviticus, I will make your cities waste, and bring your sanctuaries to desolation. And be assured, O daughter, that heavy judgments will descend upon the land, if warning be not taken in time. Nay, dear father, I cannot view the matter in the same serious light that you do, Aveline rejoined. Neither do I think evil can be derived from pastimes like the present, unless by the evil disposed. I must frankly own that it is pleasant to me to witness such innocent enjoyment as is here exhibited, while as to yon maypole, with its pretty floral decorations, I can never be brought to regard it as an emblem of superstition and idolatry. Nevertheless, had you commanded me to refrain from the sight, I would unhesitatingly have obeyed you, but I thought I was free to follow my own inclinations. Why, so you were, child, the Puritan rejoined because I had full reliance on you, and did not conceive you could have been so easily beguiled by Satan. I lament to find you cannot discern the superstition and wickedness lurking within this false, though fair-seeming spectacle. Do you not perceive that in setting up this wooden idol, and worshipping it, these people are returning to the dark and sinful practices of paganism, of which it is an undoubted remnant? If you cannot discern this, I will make it manifest to you anon, but I tell you now briefly, he continued in a voice of thunder, calculated to reach those at a distance, that the ceremony is impious, that those who take part in it are idolaters, and that those who look on and approve are participators in the sin, yea, are equal in sin to the actors themselves. Hereupon some murmurs of displeasure arose among the crowd, but they were instantly checked by the curiosity generally felt to hear Aveline's reply which was delivered in clear and gentle but distinct tones. "'Far be it from me to dispute with you, dear father,' she said, "'and it is with reluctance that I offer an opinion at all adverse to your own. But it seems to me impossible to connect these pastimes with heathenish and superstitious rites. 
for though they may bear some resemblance to ceremonials performed in honor of the goddesses Maya and Flora, yet such creeds being utterly forgotten and their spirit extinct, it cannot revive in sports that have merely reference to harmless enjoyment. Not one, I am sure, of these worthy folk has the slightest thought of impiety. You know not what you say, girl, the Puritan rejoined sharply. The evil spirit is not extinct, and these growing abominations prove it to be again raising its baleful crest to pollute and destroy. Listen to my words, ye vain and foolish ones, he continued, advancing to the front of the window, and stretching forth his arms towards the assemblage. Repent, and amend your ways, ere it be too late. Hew down the offensive idol, which you term your maypole, and cast it into the flames. Cease your wanton sports, your noisy pipings, your profane dances, your filthy tipplings. Hear what the prophet Isaiah saith. Woe to them that rise up early in the morning, that they may follow strong drink. And again, woe to the drunkards of Ephraim. And I say, woe unto you also, for you are like unto those drunkards. O oh, do not this abominable thing that my soul hateth. Be not guilty of the brutish sin of drunkenness. Reflect on the words of holy Job. They take the timbrel and harp, and rejoice at the sound of the organ. They spend their days in mirth, and in a moment go down to the grave. Hew down your idol, I say again. Consume it utterly, and scatter its ashes to the winds. Strip off the gods and tinsel in which you have decked your foolish May-Queen. Have done with your senseless and profane mummeries, and dismiss your Robin Hoods, your Friar Tucks, and your Hobby Horses. Silence your pestilent minstrels, and depart peaceably to your own homes. Abandon your sinful courses, or assuredly, the Lord will come upon you unawares, and cut you in sunder, and appoint your portion among unbelievers. So sonorous was the voice of the Puritan, so impressive were his looks and gestures, that his address commanded general attention. While he continued to speak, the sports were wholly stopped. The minstrels left off playing to listen to him, and the mummers suspended their merry evolutions round the maypole. The poor denounced May Queen, who on the rejection of her nosegay had flown back to Jocelyn, now looked doubly disconcerted at this direct attack upon her and her finery, and pouted her pretty lips in vexation. Dick Taverner, who stood by her side, seemed disposed to resent the affront, and shook his fist menacingly at the Puritan. Jocelyn himself was perplexed and annoyed, for though inclined to take part with the assemblage, the growing interest he felt in Aveline forbade all interference with her father. End of chapter 15